The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Google, Spotify, Apple, etc. And even on YouTube as well. You can watch us nowadays on video on YouTube, usually on Tuesdays and Fridays, although I will preface this show today with just a warning that Rob and I are going to have a little break for a couple of weeks as it's the end of the season. Uh, we'll be back middle of June, I would imagine, when hopefully Man United have pulled off some transfer business, let a few players go, and we'll know what we're working with moving forward into next season. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, and join the community. The link should be in the description of this episode as well, if you're listening on an audio platform. Rob, how are you? All good? Not bad, not bad at all. And uh, yes, a little bit of a break for the show, just to kind of give us a couple of weeks during a slightly down period of the transfer window. We know it's not all really kicked off yet, but there's definitely murmurings now that some business is going to take place in the next couple of weeks. So while we're away for that short period, hopefully when we come back, it will all have kicked off and we'll be able to deliver everything you need to hear on this show. Yeah, no real developments on the player front yet, although we know all of the names that are being linked with United at the moment. Although we did have a development a few days ago, Ralph Rannick has been kicked out or left. We don't know. Do you know the exact wording of this, Rob? Is it mutual? Is it uh, United kicking him out? Is it a resignation? I think kicked out is just the best way of putting it, even though that's not on the official statement. Um, I, th- I think United have decided that their direction is with their new manager, as you would expect. Um, and Ralph Rannick doesn't fit that. So, you know, we've said, haven't we, all along for weeks and months, what's the point of having Ralph Ranick on conference calls and on a contract for 18 months coming in, talking once a week? Does that help Manchester United? I think Manchester United have decided that the answer to that is no. But wouldn't you have known that when you gave him the contract six months ago? That that's probably not a good way to conduct your business behind the scenes. So, yeah, the end of the Ralph era comes to an abrupt halt. And I think the minute that Ten Hag told the press that it's on the club, talking about it was about so Rannick, blunt, wasn't it? It was so blunt. And you know, I'm all right with that because yeah. it's, it's exactly like like we knew that Ten Hag wasn't particularly invested in that strategy for Manchester United. And imagine, and Ten Hag does not need consultants; he needs empowering from those who run his run the business at the top. So Ralph Rangnick, where does he fit into that? You know, he could be a brick in the wall. But what's the point in spending time time establishing that relationship between Ten Hag and Ranić when Ranić is the manager of Austria? So 
it's yeah. all just it doesn't make industry sense it doesn't make it's not normal and it's not a surprise that he's now departing Manchester United yeah we'll talk about that in a bit more depth just in a bit but I'll tell you what's on today's show uh just so you have an idea you can maybe scroll through if you would like I just I had a bird just fly into my window that was fantastic uh Okay. Uh, anyway, getting on with it, we'll talk about Ralph Rannett, we'll talk about Eric Ten Hag, uh, and we'll talk about the transfer status as it is now. Obviously, United have been linked with Ruben Neves. We'll talk about him today. Frankie de Jong seems the number one target. We'll talk Darwin Nunes. We'll talk Anthony. Might even throw in Robert Lewandowski as well, who has been quite forthright with his views about his future. Says he his error at Bayern Munich is over. United aren't really the team who've been in the box seat in terms of where he wants to go that seems to be Barcelona but as we know Barcelona have problems of their own so could that leave the door open would Robert Lewandowski be an option we'll chat about it later in the show but just to remind you you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at PromisedLandMU Rob I really hope that bird's okay but uh, you know I'm really not sure what's going on there let's let's get into the show shall we now Ralph Rannick is gone <sighs> Was that a bit bizarre to you? Did you feel it was was it a surprise or how did you how did you digest that? Because it did come out of the blue a little bit. No, not a surprise at all. Not not from what we've been hearing from our channels. Ultimately, the structure at Manchester United, you know, many fans were kind of questioning when the announcement came that is this Man United doing the dirty on Ranjik and just kind of throwing him away, or is this Ten Hag doubling down and saying, hang on, didn't you tell me that when I came to this football club that I make these decisions? And, you know, I don't want to talk about Ralph Rannick in press conferences. So I, I think it's the latter. It's ultimately John Murto saying to his manager, yeah, you make these calls. If you don't want Ralph Rannick around, we'll spend the money to pay him off, which is what Man United generally do, isn't it? Either we're players or ex-managers. You know, you've just gave Mike Phelan a big contract not so long ago. Hmm. Mike Freeland's not going to be at the football club much longer. So all of these things is classic Manchester United. So to me, it was not a surprise at all. Uh, and I also think that it's an easy kill when you look at the results at the end of the season. So United can look at this and go, ah, you know, we like Ralph. We came in, he messed the season up for us. Do you know what? Let's punish him. Let's get rid of him. And he doesn't fit what we want to do. So the Red Bull era is over at Old Trafford as quick as it began. Uh, so all of that contact book stuff we used to talk about with Red Bull and how he, how we could exploit that through Ralph Ranić, finished, over, and now we're in the Ajax era of contacts and Dutch football. So let's see what Ten Hag can do because I don't think Ten Hag at all was invested in working with Ralph Ranić. It wasn't something that was in his agenda, certainly not in his plan. Yeah, uh, there are reports suggesting or essentially confirming that the two of them spoke for a couple of hours, I believe, over the phone. Uh, but Ten Hag was quite blunt, in a sense, with uh, in his opening press conference when he arrived at Old Trafford about it's this was the decision of the club. Ranić uh, being in a consultancy role, you know, it didn't really make a lot of sense with Ten Hag there. But how do you, how do you now reflect on this era, Rob? Because obviously we've been talking about Ranić in the sense of, all right, he's an interim manager, but the important part might be the consultancy role afterwards mm. to try and get United back on a level footing. But now that's been cut off completely. So we are isolated with <laughs> Ralph Rangnick's spell in charge, which, if you look at it from a football side, was a disaster. 
So how, how do we reflect on this? Uh, I'll talk a little bit about what kind of long-term effects uh, maybe Ranit can have on, on the club itself from the isolated period of six months that he had. But how do you, how do you reflect on it as a whole? Well, first of all, I'll say this. I wanted Ralph Ranit to come to the football club and I want him to come to the football club for all the right reasons. And that is that he is an acute football strategist. He's a planner, an organiser, a builder. And you could have got him in at a time when you were at a low ebb and you needed to sort a few things out. But this has been a complete waste of six months. What a waste. You might as well have given the reins to Michael Carrick for six months and said, you know, Michael, carry the football club till the end of the season because then we're going to go and get our main manager and then maybe you'll stay, you'll be happier. You know, you might be able to make decisions yourself and the, and the players will be happy with what you're doing. They know what you do in terms of coaching. Ralph Ranjit came in, obviously experienced Manchester United firsthand and the issues, saw what was going on and got, got a very defined opinion about the main players in the football squad. But I also think that Ten Hag looks at that and wants to distance himself from that because he does not want to say to these players, ah, yeah, we're carrying on this last six months into my era. I think he's looking at this and going, no, scrub the slate clean. Everyone, you have to perform for me. We don't want to talk about Ralph Ranick. So I don't blame Ralph really for the way the season went. I blame once again the Manchester United board. And it's not a great first look for John Murto. So John Murto was the guy that wanted Ralph Ranick. That was authorised by Ed Woodward on the end of his, his uh, tenure at the football club, the kind of transition between uh, Woodward and Arnold. And I think Arnold's gone, well, Ten Hag's our boy. Let's just go with him. Let's just get rid of Ralph and let's pretend it never happened. And as I think I said last week, you know, Manchester United will do their best now to erase the last six months like it never happened. You know, there'll be new signings, new perspective, new directions. And literally the last six months didn't happen. Let's pretend we didn't get anything wrong and we've now gone in the correct direction. But I think that's also the right decision, Scott. You know, look, what is the point in having the guy on conference calls? There's no point. He's going to be manager of Austria. You know, so you'll always have that contact with Ralph Ranić. He'll always be a contact of Murto and he'll always be able to talk. But why have him on the payroll? So United have now paid him off because you don't want him on the payroll. But you paid him off an 18-month contract. It's a bit silly, isn't it? So, again, bad business by Man United. Just... Do, you have, do you have any confidence, Rob, that they've made, that they've changed? No, this is this is my biggest problem with all of it is that the people who have power at Man United still have power and they're not football people. So we are we are hearing the correct noises that the club is transitioning towards a more structural football model. Murto, Ten Hag and everything that Ten Hag brings with him, all his assistants, they're going to set it up correctly. And I have belief in that. The problem is, Scott, is that do Manchester United really have the bottle to see it through? So Ralph Ranier, because I said they should have given Ralph the job full time and given him a two-year contract and said, you're the manager and we're going to get on with it and we're going to get top four. Now, people will say retrospectively because of results, that would have been the worst kind of thing ever. But I think he'd have had more authority with the players. And I think he could have spent six months rebuilding the football project rather than just fluffing it because that's what happened, isn't it? He told them all to run and they all went, we're not running, mate. That's an interim issue, isn't it? So if you have an interim manager, that's what happens. So he was the actual coach and he said, yeah, I'm here for two years. Players have had no choice 
but to run. And you might have found that Man United you know, came fifth in the end, didn't they, by quite a margin. But that margin only a few weeks ago, it was like three, four, five points. United could have bridged that, I think, if this manager had had any authority at the football club. Yeah, of course, the uh, six-month spell or however long it was, seven months, That the fact that it was six or seven months, you know, it just it did undermine Ralph. He couldn't really get these players to buy in. Uh, and obviously, I think the reflections are that the players haven't worked for him. They haven't tried. But, you know, I've seen people trying to make points that from a player's perspective, would you really, if you know that, you know, <laughs> this guy isn't going to be here for a while and then you're kind of putting in this effort and then you're having to change your kind of outlook on everything again, tactically and this kind of thing. Would you, do you think there's an argument there, Rob, though, to suggest that Ralph was brought in for six months, given the chance to look around, given the chance to inspect the squad that he had? Obviously, we know he, what he thinks of the squad uh, and and all this kind of stuff. But there are changes that have been made above the manager's head there are changes that have... Ralph's been very, very open with his feedback and that kind of thing. Do you think that maybe John Murt has brought him in and essentially said, hey, Ralph, come and tell me what's wrong and then stolen all of those ideas and just thrown him away to kind of take the credit for it later if it works? Well, Man United won't use the word stolen because they were employing the guy, so they paid him quite a lot of money for his expertise. But the trick is here, Scott, is that if you bring in someone for a long-term project, you don't you don't get rid of them in six months, do you, and change again? But so I do believe that that's generated by Ten Hag. I think Ten Hag does not really want the club to go in that direction. So the club are backing their new manager. But it's just bad business, isn't it? It's just I don't know any other business that runs itself like Manchester United from the top down. You know, it's all kind of like rolling the dice, isn't it? You know, Ronaldo, double sixes. Oh, no, we got double, double one. Right, let's start again. Roll it again. Ralph Ranick. Oh, double two. Oh, what's going on here? Yeah, I, well, you just mentioned there about bringing Ralph in. It's almost like he's a health and safety inspector. And it's like he's come into the kitchen of Manchester United and gone, you've got rats running around the place. And they've gone, hmm, OK, we'll try and fix it. But can you leave us now so we can get on with the job? It's a bad look. So Ralph Ranier, I think, could have really helped Man United much more behind the scenes in the boardroom than really as a coach. I'm not going to say he's not a coach because I've heard that a lot. People say he's not a coach, but if you talk to people in the know, they know very well that Ralph Ranier is an acute coach. You know, he knows what to do. But how do you get multimillionaire footballers who know you're not going to be there in three or four months to, to conform? Impossible. You can't do it. It's impossible. So they all know that Ten Hag's coming in. He's the guy they have to impress. And I almost think that John, Mo John Murta is like that. We have to impress Ten Hag now as a board to show him that we support him and not the outgoing coach who basically had the worst win record in Manchester United history. Usually uh, at the end of a season, United do this thing where they can generate interest and excitement over potential signings and that's mm. how they kind of they did it last summer didn't they you know yeah uh sancho ronaldo varan etc etc they managed it last summer obviously they're linked with a lot of players this summer as well and we'll get into chat about the midfield and up front later on we've done defense in previous shows julian timber pau torres the, the likes of those players are still on the agenda we'll see what united do but how do you kind of look at this now, Rob? Are you, are you in a position of excitement for the for the season ahead? A position of, well, I've already asked you about the confidence thing. I'm guessing you don't have any confidence. But like from my perspective, and I said this yesterday on a show, 
I won't be confident that United have changed until they actually prove to me that they are changing. And that's not going to happen until the middle of next season at the earliest. I have confidence that Manchester United in this opening stanza will help Ten Hag with good signings. They generally do that. There is a pattern of behaviour there that shows Man United do do that as a football club. They support their managers in year one generally. But when you say about confidence in it, I don't have confidence in United sticking to a long-term strategy. That's the problem. So, you know, say Ten Hag comes in, uh, say results are not good, Man United are seventh. The fans are going mad at Christmas, absolutely mad. You've just got hammered by Liverpool again. You are, you know, 20, 30, 40 points off the pace of where you want to be. Do Man United then go, share price is going to dip. Do we get rid of this guy? Because you know what? Pochettino's just left PSG. We liked him before, didn't we? Hmm. That could happen. This, this is not me kind of paying devil's advocate. This is how Man United operates. So I want Man United to dig in and support this manager long term. So I've got no issue with Ralph Ranić leaving if that's what you're doing. But it, it's more about being muddled in your approach of how you run a football club, isn't it? So this is why John Murtagh's really got to show that he's a good director of football now in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about transfers today and targets and one thing or another. I think it's really important to state that a lot of this is also dependent on other football clubs. So there's a chain reaction in Europe always where you're looking at signings, but you can't get that player out of that club until that club have replaced that player or they've sorted their wage bill out and then it comes to you. So people might say, oh, Man United are going to act slowly. I don't believe that's the case. I think they're in the market already and they're acting as quick as they can. But you've just sometimes got to hold your horses for a few weeks while they sort all that transfer business out. We talked a lot about Paul Pogba in recent shows. As we were saying off air there, you know, I was watching the NBA uh, uh, Game 7 final the other day, Eastern Conference. And who sat on the sideline there next to all the players but Paul Pogba in Miami? So Paul Pogba is not exactly getting ready to go and do his, uh, his medical somewhere. All of these things are still being sorted out behind the scenes with players. And it will take a few weeks while they take a few weeks themselves off to kind of have some downtime. Do you know if Pogba's been called up by the France squad or is he he's still out there now? Because I've seen that the France squad met up yesterday uh, and I'm not sure. I'm just uh, asking on the off chance there. The, but... I get the feeling like it doesn't make any... Uh, it's not a big problem if Paul Pogba's in America to then fly back to the France squad. I haven't seen whether he has been called up or not. Obviously, he has had knocks and injuries. Probably does need a bit of a rest. But he's also sorting out his future. So I would not be surprised if he is not as part of that squad or doesn't play or just turns up for training and kind of just is part of the, the kind of conversation of the French squad. But I, I think it shows that we're in this kind of lull period now for two or three or four weeks where players themselves are asking for a break, even managers themselves, even though they're organising what they're trying to do over the next few weeks. And that's why your administration is so important, because that keeps ticking along. All of that contact by phone and email is still just like buzzing away. And that's when you get those kind of hints if a player wants to come or not. We do know there are two or three players who are Man United's hit list that want to come to United. So that's a good first start. Now you need to negotiate with those clubs, find a price and find a wage. Well, one player that we're not sure about whether he wants to come to Man United or not is Frankie de Jong, who has been established as United's number one target. It seems like Eric Ten Hag does want Frankie de Jong to be that player in the middle of the park who, you know, can really dictate his style of play to start implementing that as soon as possible, really. Obviously, Barcelona, we, we spoke about this in previous shows, but Barcelona, it looks like they might need to sell him, even though Xavi suggested that they'd like to keep him. 
And it's about United now convincing De Jong that Old Trafford is the place that he should come. Uh, there's reports from, you know, the press in Spain about from Mundo Deportivo that United are the only option that De Jong has if he does leave at the moment. doesn't seem like Man City are in the race at the moment either. Uh, do you think De Jong is the most important? We'll talk about Ruben Neves in a second, but one, do you think De Jong is the most important player that United should go and sign? And is he the only midfielder that United need to sign as well? Because, you know, they've lost two, they've lost, well, if Pogba does go, they've lost Paul Pogba and the Manu Matches is going. And then it's McTominay and Fred and possibly Andreas Pereira coming back in. Uh, so, you know, pre season Perlo, I believe is his name, isn't it? <laughs> I think we could play play Phil Jones as defensive midfield, maybe. You know, who knows? Um, I don't think that De Jong is the most important in a singular sense. I think that he's the player Man United should go and get, certainly. I think what's important to Ten Hag is the positional issues. There's no doubt that out of all of your positions, and you've got a few that are a problem, that midfield is, I think, where you're going to have to start. This midfield and the attack are where you've got the biggest gaps in terms of quality and maybe meshing together the chemistry. So what do you do to fix that, Scott? You go and get players that, that help you in that, in that mindset or being able to get players that do things you want them to do. So, yes, people want centre-backs. Yes, United are in for power Torres, there's no doubt about that. Julian Timber, I think, will come to Manchester United. I think that is a sign that they will get over the line in the weeks ahead. But the defence is not the biggest issue once you've sorted those, those, those parts out. You know, you feel good about those things because you've got a stock of players. What you haven't got in midfield is a stock of decent players. You've just got a kind of mishmash now, haven't you? If you lose Paul Pogba, that's your real quality centrepiece gone. So if you accept that, that's okay. Lots of United fans will be happy with that. But I think if you're the manager, the manager's looking at it and saying, right, how can I fix that quickly? So the way he fixes that is by getting De Jong and Neves. So I think those are two players who have similar characteristics in terms of what they can do, but are also very versatile. So that gives the manager a, a much wider remit of how to fix the team in pre-season rather than fixing it in a year or two or three. Because let's be honest, you can't buy 10 players this summer, so you have to pick and choose. With De Jong, as we just said there about the knock-on effect, Barcelona obviously massively linked with Lewandowski. What's the issue with that? Lewandowski's wage is massive. Now, by Barcelona do want him to make a splash, but Barcelona are poor. Barcelona are really poor. So they have to move money around to make that work. I think once the Lewandowski thing happens, Lewandowski to Barcelona, when that gets announced quickly, they are going to have to sell one, two, or maybe even three to fund that. And I think now we're hearing, especially with De Jong, that, as you said, De Jong's only destination is Old Trafford. So if that's the case, Man United will put the money up. And I think that deal then gets done quite quickly. Yeah, of course, Barcelona are, uh, the likes of Frank Kessie, I think, is on the way there. Uh, yeah. Andreas Christensen from Chelsea. And I've even seen suggestions that they, because <laughs> the, the restriction on their wage budget has been like so harsh that they can't even register these players. Uh, yeah, yeah, They signed players in January as well, and they had to kind of well, move all, players out. Yeah, they're already shopping Memphis Depot. So they're shopping him. That's, 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 you know, they got him. They spent time trying to get him. He had a great season in France a couple of years. Uh, they brought him to the football club. And already they're shopping him. That's already going around Europe. You know, they, they would quite like to move him on. So it, it's one of these things, isn't it? I think Barcelona are, are in flux again because they look at Real Madrid across the road and they kind of look towards the capital and they go, 
Oh, they're doing it. They've won the Champions League. They've just won the La Liga again. They've got Benzema. They're going to sign players. All right, didn't get Mbappe, but they're in still for the top players. What do we do? They haven't, they've both got money issues, those two football clubs, but it, they can move stuff around if they look at their own wage bill and are quite clever with it. Just a word on the Champions League final, Rob. Did you, uh, Hala Madrid. <laughs> yeah, Man United of this season won the Dutch League, the Youth Cup, and Liverpool have not won the quadruple. What a treble that is for United. Well, I, I think that we should have our own uh, kind of bus tour around Manchester for the show about winning the Youth Cup, winning the Eredivisie. Um, you know, we've had um, a, a, any kind of former player or anything to do with Manchester United who've done anything this season. We can kind of applaud the Chris Smalling tour of uh, winning the, the conference title. He won the conference title. league as well. He won the conference league. And Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan in there. And was man of the match. And Jose. And Jose. Like, come on. Jose's United through and through, isn't it? He? he bleeds red. So, uh, no, it's it's all a bit of a laughing joke. Don't get upset, audience. I know people do. They're like, how dare you talk about these former people? It's just a joke. Don't get too upset. I do also think it is a little bit of a joke of having a bus tour for the Rumbelows Cup and and a, and a nice FA Cup. I like the FA Cup, but come on, like a big bus tour of half a million people on the streets. It's good. You that need one of the big, big ones, don't you? You need you need the league <sighs> or the Champions League. I I. I Bus tours are great if you've got something to celebrate, but the irony of it is, is that they were all commiserating. So, you know, I'm still gutted that Man United didn't have the bus tours for some of the biggest trophies that we won because of the great Manchester police who said we couldn't have them uh, going back over many years. So now it feels like a bit of a waste. But I was I was on some of those bus tours. I remember the last Premier League title, and that was fantastic. It was like an amazing... That gives an amazing way to kind of go out and to, to yeah. be in Manchester amongst United fans and, and follow the, the tour from Old Trafford into the city centre. So, yes, bus tours are great, but, you know, have some hardware to actually show off, you know, like, yay, second in the league, yay, second in the Champions League. Yeah, that's the end of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I, I don't particularly get it, but if you want to do it, makes you feel good. Why not? Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But at least... Uh, Hala Madrid. Hala Madrid. No, they had a proper tour. <laughs> they, they really did. Uh, and I think talking about releasing wages and that kind of thing, we'll get back to United in a second, but mm. Isco's announced that he's leaving probably on a wedge of money. Gareth Bale yeah. on 600000 a week has played his last <laughs> game for Madrid. Hopefully he can fire Wales to the World Cup on Sunday. We'll see. But uh, Real Madrid, I think, might be coming out the other end of their um, tightening of the purse strings uh, yeah. over the next few months, I think. But United certainly have to do some spending. And let's talk Ruben Neves for a second, Rob, because you mentioned mm. there that De Jong and Neves. Could you see both happening? Yes, please. Or is it one? Yes, please. No, no, no. I think both could happen. And, and I think United do need more than one midfielder, and that has been recognised. So it's all about style of play, Scott. You know what I mean? Like if you if you want to play a Ten Hag way, which is a mixture of possession-based football and a bit of counter-pressing, you need players that can do that. You need ball retention, you need energy, you need quality. And Man United are missing a lot of that. So you can't just go and get De Jong and say, hey, Frankie, you know, can you solve all of these issues? No, you need to help him as well, don't you? So I just think the fact that you are potentially going to lose Paul Pogba, and we still it's still a little bit jury out on that. I just it's gone weirdly quiet. And when things go quiet, it normally means that things are not happening. But <laughs> let's see what happens there. I'd quite like a Pogba De Jong axis. I think that would be very, very nice. But I think you're going to get De Jong plus one. 
And and there's no doubt I think that Ruben Neves is someone and been on Man United scouting reports since the start of time, since Wolves came up, really. You know, when he was scoring goals in the championship, Man United were banging on the door at Modena and saying, we quite like this player. Um, I would not be surprised if United fork out the money to get both. Let's be honest, they're not actually going to be that expensive in the modern market. You know, people say, oh, 60, 70 million, are they worth that? That's just a going rate now. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no kind of like, is that, you know, should you pay that? That's just what you have to pay for players of that ilk. You paid 52 million for Fred. That was probably overpriced. Yeah. So, so if you paid 52 million for Fred and you want quality, you're probably going to have to look at the 60 to 70 to even 80 million market and just swallow that pill. I love Ruben Neves. Always loved him. Always think that he's the kind of player that can get your midfield going. He's like a modern number six in the sense that he can do all that running around and tackling. He's not overly efficient. He's not a, a destroyer, but I don't think you need to destroy at number six anymore. You need a ball player. Yeah. And I think Ruben Nevers in the Premier League is his best of his ilk of that type of footballer. Rob, I actually have some, as we record this, some breaking news from Manchester oh, United. Breaking news. Uh, I don't know if you know this yet, whether you've seen it. Andy O'Boyle has been appointed as United's deputy football director. Uh, he will leave his current role as head of elite yeah. performance at the Premier League to join United. will provide support to John Murta, football director, in driving yeah. the club's football strategy across the first team academy and women's team. John Murta, oh, actually... Just before we get into some murder quotes, the appointment marks a return to Carrington for O'Boyle, 16 years after he served as a coach in our academy, working with young players like Marcus Rashford. We're delighted to welcome Andy back to United to take up this important role. Andy has experience across all technical areas of football, from fitness and sports science to scouting and recruitment. Interesting. Well, obviously, Paul Mitchell was being talked up. That was ruled out uh, a few weeks yeah. ago. But O'Boyle's name was the one that was kind of boiling under the surface and now he's been officially appointed by the club. No surprise at all. Man United said from the centre weeks and weeks ago that they were going to make this appointment. So um, uh, surprise, obviously, as we're recording now that it suddenly breaks. It does marry into the information and stuff that we've talked about with, uh, with Ralph Ranick in terms of structure. So this is a much more um, settled appointment long term for Man United because Murto wanted this assistance and we knew that they were going to announce an assistant director of football even though that's not what this is called but that's kind of what they wanted an extra pair of hands in there to be with Murto to be with the new manager and we already know that Steve McLaren's in there he's going to have quite a lot of influence in terms of structure um, we're seeing this now being fleshed out, aren't we, in, in real time, is that United are trying to get that football structure in place now for the season ahead. Yes, indeed. Andy O'Boyle had this to say. I'm thrilled to be rejoining Man United at such an exciting time for the club. Exciting time for the club. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as the first team prepares for a fresh start under Eric Tenag. And the academy and women's teams go from strength to strength. Whilst it's been a privilege to serve the Premier League for the past five years, I can't wait to get started at United and play my part in creating the right environment for football success. So it does seem to suggest that United are putting things in place above the manager to sort of structure out to move forward. I don't have confidence that it'll work at the moment, but at least they're making changes and getting, you know, they're doing something, let's just say. A, a lifelong United fan, O'Boyle played as a youngster for United mm -hmm. in a United centre of excellence uh, and has also held roles at Liverpool, England under-21s, Coventry and Wrexham as well. Uh, so Andy O'Boyle is back at United. 
We'll see how that plays out. John Murter is obviously, as you mentioned there, Rob wanted some assistance. He's got his man out, Ten Hag. And hopefully yeah. there's a solid structure there now and a plan in place to move forward. Uh, and Ranić and uh, Paul Mitchell were never going to be those people. So people had said over the last few weeks, oh, you know, is this the opportunity to make this super team at board level? You know, Ranić can be the assistant director of football. No, it doesn't work like that. There's no way that Paul Mitchell was going to accept this role. This is not what Paul Mitchell does. He's a head of recruitment. Paul Mitchell is a director of football. That's not really what we do. This role is going to be a kind of hands-on, on-the-ground role at Carrington. So you're going to be able to get together all of the factions at Manchester United. The women's team is obviously a new focus for United. They did well last year, the women's team. But the year before that, they kind of ended up having to gut it because of how badly run it was. You know, they had to, again, it was the Glazers kind of doing mm-hmm. things in, in a kind of half-inched way rather than doing it fully. This now allows someone to be on the ground to, to be able to oversee those things and to push those projects in the correct direction. So, Rob, uh, just before we get into United signings up front, Darwin Nunes, Anthony, etc., etc., I just wanted to ask you, like, how many signings do you think United will make this summer? Not how many do they need, how many do you think they'll end up making? Because it's, it's usually been three or four, hasn't it? Yeah, and you know, as I said before, I do think that Ten Hag will be supported. So when you take into context of the players going out the door, I believe that Man United will sign five or six. I'm going to hang my hat on that. I'm going to stick to that. Because I think when you look at the positions and the issues that you've got and the style of play, you are going to need five to at least trigger playing something like decent football. So I'm not talking about superstars there. I'm talking about uh, a kind of padding out the squad of having players that are useful, Scott, because that's the issue here, is that Ten Hag will come in and I'm sure there'll be players that he'll look at straight away and go, yes, I like that player, but he's not done very well, but I'll give him a year, let's try that. And then there'll be other players he just does not fancy from day one. He'll look at them and go, no, I need to get you out the door so I can sign players that I do want. So I still think five or six is the right way of looking at it. For instance, as an example with that, you've got a player like Aaron Wambasaka. You know, he'd have to decide whether Aaron Wan-Bissaka is the type of player that he would like at right back. Now, we know that Timber is probably going to come through the door. Aaron has been linked with the move back to Crystal Palace and now to Roma. So I, I feel that he will get moved out. He'll be one of those players that stylistically does not fit what Ten Hag wants to do. So when you do that, what have you got to do, Scott? You've got to make signings. You can't let players leave the, the football club. And then just say, oh, we'll sign two or three in this window, maybe two or three in the next window. Because the season's done already, isn't it? You get to Christmas, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're looking at signings for January. And because you haven't done your business early, you're in trouble, aren't you? And I think the Man United will want to support this manager in the transfer market. So what positions do we make those right back, centre back, two centre midfielders, <laughs> a right winger and a striker? Uh, yeah, all of those, thanks. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just think that, when you look at the the positions of most importance, you do need two central midfielders. You need to do that quick. That's that's important business. You look at the front line. I think you need a striker now to supplement Cristiano. Cristiano might give you goals, but he's not going to help you in your style of play, is he? And he's there for one more year, so he's going out the door. And then I think a wide play, like considering we bought Jaden Sancho, I think when you look at the issues around the football club, so I'm putting you know Martial, Greenwood, and Rashford in that in terms of all three having their own individual issues, it kind of means that United are now looking for a wide forward again. So they've got Sancho. There's no doubt Alang has come a long way, but we don't really know whether he will fit what Ten Hag wants initially. 
uh, that wide forward is something that I think is becoming more of a priority, or at least a player that can maybe play through the centre and wide. We talked about Nkunku last week. We've talked about Darwin Nunes. We can talk about him a little bit more now because that's that's heating up again. And Darwin Nunes can play left and centre and can do different things. Man United do need a forward and two midfielders as the starting blocks to get this project going. Yeah, so let's talk Darwin Nunes for now. Uh, obviously, you mentioned there, Rob, that a central striker is should be a priority. Do you think... Hmm. Well, Marcus Rashford's been talked up as potentially through preseason playing in that central role. Do you think yeah. that United, obviously Nunes has a big price tag on him. I think since Sadio Mane's uh, developments with Liverpool, uh, leaving Liverpool have come out over the weekend. Liverpool's name has been suggested in Darwin Nunes is, you know, as interested in him as well. So perhaps United have a big fish who are ready to kind of fight them for this. Do you think that central striker is more important than the right wing to address first? At this moment of time, yes, definitely. Because don't forget on the right wing that if you were going to jiggle things around, Anthony, of course, is an option from Ajax. But you have also got Amadiolo and potentially Palestri. So they're, they're players that you could bring in just to fill the stock out. So if you're going to go with Jaden Sancho as your main right-sided player, you've got back up there. And that's that's one side of it. You're not going to sign Anthony as a backup player, are you? He's coming in to actually play in the team. Same for Darwin Nunes. But I think when you look at the structure of uh, the centre-forward positions and the left side, you know, Tush talked about there about Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford has had, let's say, an underwhelming 12 months for different reasons. Now, Marcus always saw himself as a potential number nine moving forward. So I think the role of the dice here with him and Ten Hag will be that he is used as a number nine next year. Why? Because when you look at the pressing of the three behind a one in a 4-2-3-1, which is the way I think this manager is going to set up at Old Trafford, I don't really think Rashford ticks that box. He doesn't really do that job very well. And that was the issue under, under the manager. So we, uh, under Ranić, you could see that Rashford wasn't really comfortable playing that role. However, I do think with Rashford's pace that you could play him at the top of the key, as you would call it in basketball, and you could have him as that player there playing off a shoulder, and he can do the press from that, from that part of the pitch. So I know Man United fans don't want to hear that. There's no way that Man United fans are sat here all going, Marcus Rashford, centre forward, this is what we want, because they're all going to say he can't finish. But when you're looking at the structure of the team, Marcus might be more useful in the next six months as a number nine than he is in the wider positions. Because I just don't think he's good enough at the press going backwards and forwards. Do you think if they do decide on Rashford in pre-season as a, as a centre forward, that they potentially look at another position instead of signing somebody like Darwin Nunes? Of course. And this is the conundrum, isn't it? This is why it always is a, a Rubik's Cube transfers, because the manager will have his preconceptions about what he's seen so far, like he'd have watched plenty of tape of United. He'll be fully aware of what players are playing well and who not. And when he talks to players, he's going to ask his players, why have you been rubbish in the last 12 months? You tell me. And I think Marcus Rashford, has he got legitimate reasons? I think he probably has. But at the same time, he spent two or three years carrying the club himself on his back with injuries and playing out of position and playing at times when he probably shouldn't have played. And last year, he didn't really get much slack cut. I think Ralph kind of looked at it and went, you can't do what I want you to do, so you're going to go and sit on the bench. But this is a clean slate, Scott, isn't it? So Marcus Rashford is not a bad footballer. I know Man United fans think he is, 
but he's not. It's about can you get the most out of him? Because if you can't, what are you going to do, Scott? You're going to sell him. So it's at least, uh, I think, a way of maybe even packaging him in future that if he could start adding goals back to his game, which he can do, he's, he scored goals in the past and he scored freely. If you can have a system that helps that, that's great. I think Neves and De Jong really help that. You know, if you've got Rashford at the top end and he's got the pace to be able to break the line and then say you bring in someone like a, a, a Nunez or an Anthony, you know, or even an Nkunku, those players complement your existing talent and we need to move away from a Cristiano model you know we can't do it he can do it he can do it for 12 months but this is not about helping Cristiano for the next five years whereas Marcus Rashford could be in your plans for that time period uh on a scale of one to ten how likely do you make a Robert Lewandowski arrival at Old Trafford <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly a, a, a one I think at the moment but a player that Manchester United have always loved and liked you know they have made approaches for him in the past many managers have wanted him of course you'd want Robert Lewandowski in years gone by if you've got Cristiano it's like the Cavani situation isn't it yeah you know you, you, you know like you, you could go and get him and say hey Robert come here do you want half a million pound a week and he'll go quite like the Premier League yeah let's do it does he help you stylistically no the, the issue with Lewandowski, Lewandowski is probably going to go to Barcelona and the quicker that gets done, the quicker we could probably go and get De Jong sorted. The issue with him is that if he doesn't go to Barcelona, where is he going to go? And that's where Man United start kind of, you know, I think scratching their brains going, hmm, sell quite a lot of shirts, that boy, wouldn't he? He'd be a superstar for us. And in fact, you know what? We don't even have to pay a lot for him, just that half a million pound a week. So that's an issue to me because I think that it, he's not completely out of the orbit of Man United's strategy. Like, it would not surprise me. But I don't think Ten Hag would authorise that transfer. Just simply not the kind of play that he needs to build the football club again. Yeah, well, certainly uh, Eric Ten Hag will look at that squad and think that there are a number of players in there that he can get more out of. That's been suggested in mm. the last few weeks as well since his arrival, you know, <laughs> obviously these players are playing well beneath their top levels. We've seen a lot of players play a lot better than they did last season. Almost everyone, to be honest. And there is, for me, there is a feeling that I don't think United can get any lower than they, that they went last season, but. And this is why Randy is a a really good excuse. It's a good excuse, isn't it? Randy is a really good excuse to say for six months, right. It didn't work with the players, but we're stuck with the players. So what, who gets the bullet? Ralph. Ralph goes, players remain. And what do the players will do? They'll say Tenango, it was horrible. We didn't like it, boss. Boo hoo hoo. And he can say, well, now you've got to do what I tell you. So I'm kind of all right with that because you can't get rid of everyone, even though, of course, you literally could. If this was a football manager game, you'd be picking all the squad, getting rid of them and just buying new players. But it's going to be a process. And I think that the same way we've mentioned this before, Jurgen Klopp in year one at Liverpool, he had to see. The, the kind of the the nuclear bomb of the football club and what had gone wrong and slowly but surely bring it back to where he sees the team. And that's what I think Ten Hag will do. And there will be players, Scott, definitely that we're talking about in the next six months. I think we'll go through and we'll say, do you know what? We didn't think he had a Man United future and look how good Aaron Wambasaka is. <laughs> you had to pick Wambasaka, didn't you? He wouldn't be the one that I picked, to be honest. But we'll see. Uh, Aaron Wambasaka's been Jones. linked with the I move away. I keep seeing the Phil Jones one. <laughs> Phil, Phil Jones been linked with the move away for the last 10 years or however long it's been. You know, it's been a long time. Still on United's books. 
Rob, I'm going to wrap the show up and we'll be wrapped up for a couple of weeks until the middle of June, listener, just so you know, if you got this far into the podcast already. Any final thoughts before we uh, take a little break? No, let's get this transfer business going. I'd love Neves. I'd love De Jong. I think they're realistic. That's also why I like them. I think Darwin Nunes is realistic. I don't really think Nkunku is. I think Liverpool might be stealing a march from Man United on that, but we'll see that in the weeks ahead. And it should be a very interesting two or three weeks now. I, I said to you before we started the podcast, Scott, didn't I? Pre-season will be here in the blink of an eye. Literally, we'll have a couple of weeks off. And we'll be talking about how will Man United play because we'll have a better idea about what the players will be doing. There'll be tons of comments from players now. We'll find out what Paul Pogba is doing. We'll find out how uh, Ten Hag starts this process at Old Trafford and at Carrington. I'm sure he'll have his little break as well in the next week or so. And fingers crossed, we get a proper reboot now because that's what Manchester United needs to be successful. We'll see if it happens. It's been on the agenda for a long, long time. But United have never really followed through with it. Let's hope this summer that they can start to address the issues that they've had within the club for the last 10 years plus. Because uh, it's all come out on the pitch this season under Ralph Rannick, who has now left his consultancy role before it even started. Eric Ten Hag is the club's new manager and hard at work on addressing the issues within the squad. We'll see where we are in a couple of weeks' time, Rob, when we pick back up on the Promised Land podcast. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And you can usually watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. But just another reminder that we're having a bit of a break and we'll be back around Tuesday, the 14th of June, I hope. Uh, just don't, don't hold me to that yet. It depends how everything's going. But Tuesday, the 14th of June, pencil that in your calendars. So head over to YouTube. Uh, to our channel hit the like button subscribe join the community leave a comment and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform as well and follow us on twitter uh, in the meantime i'll probably be tweeting while i'm away rob i'm sure you will be as well at underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at promise and them you for the show thank you very much for listening everyone and we'll catch you very soon mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.